excrucious. That's not the right word, what's it? I don't even know. I shouldn't even try to use it. <sighs> Y'all aren't paying attention anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> We're starting in the book of Matthew. <laughs> our journey, our long journey. Uh, it should take us quite some time to get to ma- through Matthew. Maybe by the time we hit the summer, we'll take a little break and do something else for a while. I don't know. I haven't quite decided, but Matthew should take us quite some time. Uh, This morning, we're going to start in Matthew 1. We'll do the first 17 verses. And as we start here, we see the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So let's look at Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. This is one of those sections of Scripture that you probably have, okay, I'm going to try to read through the Bible, but you get to this and you're like, Okay, name, 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 name. And you get to where there's no more names, right? But we're going to read through it. We're going to read through every name, and hopefully I won't, I won't flub too many of them. Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos. And Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Joachim, and and his brother, and at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Joachimai, and the father of Sheatiel, and Sheatiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abidu, and Abud the father of Elachim, and Elachim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathon, and Mathon the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon, to Christ, 14 generations. I should get like a raise for that. <laughs> what makes a good story? Story has to be compelling, right? There has to be good characters. And there always has to be a good hero. What are your, some of your favorite stories? I love, of course, The Lord of the Rings. It has good characters. It has good heroes. Or Star Wars, right? I love Star Wars. The battle of good versus evil. Luke versus Darth Vader. How are we to understand the book of Matthew? For the book of Matthew is a story. 
To, to understand a story, you have to know who the characters are. You have to make, to make sense of the events. And the immediate question we have to ask, and the question that all the book asks, and certainly all the New Testament asks, is who is this child? Who is this Jesus? Jesus, of course, is the main character of our story. Here we have some answers. It says... He's the son of David. He's the king of the Jews, in essence. He's the son of Abraham. He's the one who will bring blessing to the nations. He's born of the Holy Spirit. He is God. Here, he is Emmanuel. God with us. Matthew introduces us to the hero of the story by stating his name and his origin. Origin is something that we can identify with. I remember growing up, and I've heard this on several different occasions, particularly in the South, you hear it, you know, who's your people, right? Have you ever heard that? Or who's your father? And what's, what's, the, 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 what's going on behind that question is, who is your lineage? Who do you come from? And this is what is being asked here or told of Jesus. Who's your people? And so as we come here, we see many things about him. Who is Jesus? Who is this child? <clears throat> but we're going to focus on three. First, and we see all these first three points in the first verse. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So first we'll see he is Jesus the Christ. Second, we'll see the son of David. He is the son of David. And finally, we'll see that he is the son of Abraham. So let's begin by looking at he is Jesus Christ. And there's two names here, right? That's his first and last name, Jesus Christ. No, it's a joke. <laughs> Flat. <laughs> but first, let's look that he is Jesus. What is Jesus? This comes from the Hebrew Joshua. As we go from Hebrew to Greek, Joshua becomes Jesus. And in Hebrew, Joshua means, literally, the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation. Joshua, of course, in the Old Testament, when you think of Joshua, we think of Joshua who took over from Moses. He delivered the Israelites from the wilderness into Canaan, or into the promised land. He delivered them. He saved them. He led them into battle at Jericho and to other places, delivered them to the land. However, Jesus does not deliver in the same way. <clears throat> he does not save from military enemies or even necessarily from physical danger. Yes, we see throughout the New Testament, throughout the book of Matthew, that he delivers some from physical illness. But even those deliverances point to God's eternal restoration of all things. So then what did Jesus come to save us from? How is he the Lord of salvation? In the incarn incarnation, in Jesus' birth, he began to address the problem that lies at the root of all pain and sorrow. He came to save us from our sins. We can see this in his own genealogy. We've seen this long list of names and Jesus comes from a long list of Jewish kings. 
That's our second section there, starting in verse 7 through verse 11. Those are all Jewish kings, starting with David and going all the way down to Josiah. But let's look just at a few of these Jewish kings, this regal group, if you will. You have Jehoshaphat. And what did he do? If we ever have a son, there she goes. We're going to name him Jehoshaphat because that's a great name. (laughs) That's right. Jehoshaphat entered into alliances with wicked men. You have Hezekiah who showed the riches of Israel to her powerful enemies, which encouraged them to come in and plunder. You have Uzziah became so proud that he sought to usurp the role of a priest. Or Ahaz, who worshipped the pagan gods of Assyria and even practiced human sacrifice. This is Jesus' family tree. Regal as Jesus' lineage was, he did not come to praise them. We don't see this list here so that, that in Jesus we can say, look at all the great men that came before him. What we see is, is that he did not come to praise them, but he came to save them. There's something particular about Matthew's genealogy. We see four women listed here. We see Tamar. This is the daughter-in-law of Judah, who was the son of Jacob, who was a prostitute. We see Rahab, and we know who Rahab is, right? She was the prostitute from Jericho who helped Israel, the Israel spies. We see Ruth, who was a Moabite, who was adopted into the family of Boaz. And of course we have the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, who was a concubine, basically, of David, the wife of a Hittite. Tamar of the four is the only one who is actually Jewish. So we have a Jewish woman and three Gentiles. And three of the four were either prostitutes or adulteresses. Jesus' own family needed saving from their sins. You think about, we could go look at David. What did David do? He was a peeping Tom, right? He was looking on the roof, saw Bathsheba, sent her husband to the front line to be killed so that he could have her. This is the line of Jesus. His own people were in need of saving. So he comes, the one, the Lord who is salvation, the Lord who saves. But he's also Christ. Christ becomes Jesus' second name in a lot of ways in Scripture. Christ is the title for Messiah. It literally means anointed one. The Lord who saves, or the Lord is salvation, anointed one, in essence is what his name is. It is is one who is set apart and empowered by God for a task. For the Jews in Jesus' day... Christ, the title Christ, had come to signify a specific king that would come. One with power to deliver the people, but they expected him to come and dominate them, or help them dominate militarily. They wanted him to come in and get rid of the Romans. To free them so they could be 
a world power again in essence. But Jesus, the Messiah, the one set apart and empowered by God, was anointed for a far greater victory. And he would accomplish this by taking on all the main roles of leadership in Israel. <clears throat> he did come as king. We see this as he is a son of David. He's anointed by God to defeat our foes. But where the Jewish people had it wrong was is that the fo our foes aren't Rome for them. Our foes aren't whoever you insert for us. Our foes are sin. Our foes are death. He came as king to defeat sin, to defeat death. He also came as priest. He is anointed by God to offer sacrifice, to remove the guilt of sin. And we see this in the person of Christ as he sacrificed himself. But he also comes as prophet, anointed to tell the truth about himself. We see Jesus here, the Christ, anointed by God for a special task. Yes, it's not what the Jews thought it would be. They had misguided and misplaced expectations. And this is not so uncommon for us. Many Americans expect armed forces to keep us from all danger. Some people expect their skill to make them prosperous. But these are all misguided expectations, much like the Jews. We are in need of Christ to be the Savior, or we are in need for Christ to be the Savior that he came to be. This is who Jesus is for us. He is the Lord who saves. He saves us by his coming into the world, by his living the life that we could not lead, by dying the death that we could not die, by raising from the dead, and in doing so, conquering as our king, death and sin. He is Jesus who saves, but he is also the anointed one for us. The one who was set apart by God to come and make, make reconciliation for us. He has given us access to God through his blood so that we can now sit at the throne, at the foot of the throne of God and be called sons and daughters of the Most High. This is the character of our story, Jesus Christ. But next we see that he is the son of David. And in saying that he is the son of David, in essence, he is saying that he is the hope of all Israel. Israel was looking for one who would come from a son of David. <coughs> we see here that on Joseph's side, Jesus descends from this royal line. He was born king of the Jews. In essence, he was just not any king. He was the king. The whole genealogy, in essence, gives structure to this. We see three sets of 14. The first set of 14 is from Abraham to David. We see the lineage from the birth of a nation to the, to the king appointed by God. Then we have the next sections from David to the end of his dynasty, to the end of the, to the exile, to Josiah, the last king. And then we have from exile to Christ. And we see the joining here. 
And all of this is hinged on the fact that he is a son of David. This, this term, son of David, is used nine times in the book of Matthew. And it stresses two very important points. The first is that he is the long-promised heir of David. We've talked about this, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But second is seen in the fact of where it is used most often. Most often in the book of Matthew, the title Son of David is used by outsiders in the Jewish community or Gentiles. And they call him by this title, Son of David. And they ask for healing. And when they do this, they receive it. I love Tolkien. I've already mentioned that once today. And in the last book, The Return of the King, at one point it talks about the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And this is what was expected. This is why they cry out, Son of David, heal me. They were looking for a king who would come and restore the people. The Jewish crowds always respond in doubt. And the religious authorities respond in anger and charges of blasphemy. He has come and he has produced his badge, as it were. If someone comes at your door and says, I'm with the police or the FBI, what do you want to say? Well, I want to see your badge. This badge proves who they are. This signifies that I have authority. In Jesus' coming, he heals, and it signifies his authority. And yet the crowds respond in doubt. The son of David offers his strength to the weak and the wounded. He offers hope to the yearning heart. He is a healer, and yet his people rejected him. He was the king that they looked forward to, but he was not the king that they wanted. But the question is this, does it matter to us that he is the son of David? We, we're not, we don't have, most of us, Jewish background, we're not looking to David necessarily. But it does matter to us that he was the son of David. All the Old Testament spoke of him as coming from the line of David. God in his great mercy and providence protected this line. We could do a whole study through the line of David, through the Old Testament, and how it was protected when it was tried to be killed out. And from it came Christ, Jesus. And this gives us hope. It gives us assurance that the promises of God are sure, that the promises of God are true. But we also take hope in this fact. As we look at this lineage here, this genealogy, that it's full of people who are marred by sin. We can never be so proud to think that we have earned God's favor and grace. We are like Christ's heirs, or his, those who came before him. They were in great need of him, and so are we. From David on, and even further back, as we will see now, we've seen that he is a son of David, but lastly, he is a son of Abraham. He is a son of Abraham in that he is the Savior. 
of the nations. Matthew starts his genealogy with Abraham. And we see this, Matthew's genealogy is mirrored in 1 Chronicles for the most part. He makes some slight changes. And many see this as an emphasis for a Jewish audience. That Matthew is writing to the Jews. However, there's something that Matthew expects us to understand. When Abraham was born, what was he? He was not a Jew. There was no Jewish community before Abraham. He was born a Gentile. He was born not God's people. Yes, he was the father of the covenant people, yet he was born outside of the covenant. And it was through Abraham that God established Israel. We see in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, as this is God talking to Abraham. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in all the families of the and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He goes on in Genesis 22 verse 18 to say, "And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice." This is the promise that Abraham is given over and over and over again that you, you Gentile Abraham or Abram at that point will be made Abraham father of nations through all nations will be blessed through you. All of us here come from varying backgrounds, I'm sure. Be it German, Dutch, or w- whatever what French, I don't know. And if you, tra- if you were able to trace your line far enough back, no matter how long it took, at some point, our ancestors were worshiping some other god be it Zeus or, or Norse gods or whatever. Gentile people did not worship the one true God. And that Matthew here points us to the fact that God, that Jesus incarnate, was a son of a Gentile. He was the son of Abraham. In his line were Gentiles, We talked about those four women, three of which were Gentiles. We must remember that we are like these. We should marvel in God's grace that we can be called members of the family of God. As we look at this genealogy, we see great hope that starting with Abraham, who was called out as God's own, who through him was made a people, we have the same promise that the blessing of the nations that we see in Genesis are being fulfilled in us, that that we, when it says, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed, we are the ones who are being blessed through Abraham, and we are ultimately being blessed through the blood of his descendant. Of his son, David. When it comes down to it, in Christ we have a full and real hope. 
We were once not the people of God. We were once outsiders. We were outside the camp, but we have been brought in and we have been made the people of God. We have been given the grace of God through the blood of his son. We are to rejoice in the fact that God has made such provision for us. Even as Paul says that while we were yet sinners, while we, just as Christ's genealogy, were adulterers, while we were coveters, while we were blasphemers, was we were those who stole, as we were those who killed and murdered, we have been brought close to God through the blood of His Son. Notice, as it says here, that the, the whole focal point of this genealogy is not Abraham. The focal point of this genealogy is not David. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Everyone that comes before him still hinges on him. They need him. They rely on him. This is what we have seen. That they rely first on Jesus. The Lord saves. The Lord is our Savior. Who is anointed. He is the Christ. He is anointed for this task. Second, he is the son of David. He is the king who has been anointed for this purpose. Who has come and has filled all the roles. He is king in that he has conquered sin and death. He is our priest. That he has sacrificed himself once for all. That he is our prophet. That he has come with the authority to speak the truth about himself. As we go through this book, this is what we must remember. Remember, this must be our base. Jesus is not only the main character of the story. He is the hero of the story. God with us, who has come to save us, who has been specifically anointed to this task. He has royal blood. He is the fulfillment of promise. He's the one through whom all nations will be blessed. This includes us. He comes with the hands of a healer, the marks of a king. And the beautiful part about that is that he, what he has healed, there was an immeasurable gap that we can't even begin to fathom between us and God. We had sinned against him. And Christ bridges this gap for us in a way that no one else can. He has healed us and restored us to fellowship with God. This is what the book of Matthew is about. This is what we will study. The story of how Jesus makes us right with God. So that we can have access to his throne. So that we can have forgiveness of sins. It is the story that brings us here every week. It is the hope that we have.
the truth that is in us. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. That you have bought us, that you have purchased us, that you have come. That you are a real man who came at a real time. That you came exactly as you needed to, as both Jesus and Christ. As both king and prophet and priest. That you fulfilled all that we need. We thank you for this and we pray in your son's holy name. Amen. Please turn.